0: chat this is the episode for the week of december 16th 2019 i'm owen crane
1: i'm jason crane this is a show about living authentic lives on our own terms and we're going to explore that maybe in the the most specifically pointed way so far uh, since we've reformatted this show uh, a little bit later in the podcast with ballet dancer turned tattoo artist mia matsui
0: and we'll be back for a chat right after this
2: Hey, this is Jason's sister Gretchen. Did you know that in addition to listening to a brief chat, you can also become a supporting member? It's true. There are three membership levels and all of them come with cool bonus material and some even come with the chance for you to be on the show. Visit abriefchat.com and click on the support the show link today. It'll just take a few minutes to join and you'll be helping Jason and Owen make more episodes of the show. Plus, maybe my brother will finally be able to pay back the money he owes me now back to the show
1: yo
0: (laughs) hello (laughs) how are you um very tired if i'm being honest yeah but very happy to be talking with you
1: you had a long retail day today
0: i it's mm, it's the holiday season it's the end of the year, so everybody's trying to use up their HSA in my office, <laughs> and just who baby.
1: Yeah, yeah, a whole lot.
0: But I came home to lasagna,
1: which, if I might point out, is exactly the first thing we ever talked about. I think in the rebranded episode because we had just eaten oh, lasagna, lasagna a month that
0: ago. time, and
1: this was the other Costco lasagna of the yeah. pack of two that we bought that we raved about. This is our second
0: lasagna night.
1: It is, and it it was good. And this time, however, it was accompanied uh, not by garlic bread, but, and I, I am quite proud of this, by bread that I myself baked here yeah. in our house.
0: Jason's been on a real baking kick lately, and it's amazing i am so thankful that you are doing this i know you are doing it for fun and like to learn more and i am so happy to reap
1: (laughs) the rewards of your efforts or whatever and let's carefully define kick in this case means i've baked two things
0: yeah but i mean that's two more things than the bagels that you baked two years ago 46 years
1: yeah (laughs) I've always been one of those people who liked the idea of cooking. Like, I wanted to be someone who cooked more than I actually wanted to cook. Right. But last week, as I, I think I mentioned on last week's show, or I mentioned somewhere, we were in the grocery store. I saw the Toll House morsels, made some cookies. I took those cookie, some of those cookies into work, and people devoured them, and I'd never had that experience before. Which was really cool.
0: And it, I mean they were legitimately amazing cookies, but I am so happy you had that experience because it, it is the best feeling in the world.
1: And I've been asked every single day this week, have oh you brought more God. cookies?
0: In? This was like a week ago I know. that's because amazing that was cool.
1: And then today, similarly, with no plan whatsoever, I was walking through the European section of our grocery (laughs) store and uh, given the results of the UK election that just happened that's not even going to be accurate for that much longer (laughs) and I bought some Irish soda bread that I mean this it couldn't be easier it's literally it's a box full of the stuff you dump it into a bowl you make a well in the middle you pour the water in, you knead it into a round you put two slashes in the top and you chuck it in the oven so there's very little room for you to mess it up but I thought it came out pretty well. It's the
0: best soda bread I've ever
1: had. Well, yeah, I think you're going to.
0: No, it's legitimately... It wasn't, like... And this is exactly what I told you, to. It wasn't... It didn't taste like a stale biscuit, and there were no raisins in it. So, like... <laughs> It was perfect. It was amazing. It was moist. It wasn't too dense. You baked it perfectly. Also, when I came home today, you told me that you made. You knew it was done because it sounded hollow on the bottom. And I was like, look at you, Paul Hollywood. And it was the best. Oh, my gosh. So I'm excited to see if you decide to bake next week or the next spontaneous bake, if that happens or whenever it no, happens. I think I'm going
1: to keep baking. Well, first of all, I think I'm going to bake more this weekend because tomorrow I think I'm going to make another batch, a batch of, of cookies, cookies for yeah, work because I did buy uh, chocolate chip morsels again. Now, I don't want to say I've launched a craze, but I will say that if in the same way that baking twice can be a kick, two people at work baking can be a craze. And another guy <laughs> at work, uh, Guy Sean, who I work with, he has his grandmothers, his Italian grandmas, uh Pizelle machine you know to make those the little like they look like lace doilies i know dr
0: galanti makes us pizzelles sometimes too because he's very italian and they're amazing but that's also because i love licorice
1: well see that's a key now i don't actually like the the anise flavor very much the licorice flavor very much but sean has said that he's going to make some now this (laughs) you you tell me about this because i was immediately i couldn't tell if i should be suspect of this or not it's a cast iron, uh, I guess, is it Pizzele maker? It's probably Pizzele, really, or something like that, right? right. But, so anyway, it's a cast iron maker for those. And it was his grand. he's about probably 10 years older than me, and it was his grandmother's. So let's say the thing is 70, 80 years old, probably. Right. And he said it's never been, he said as a point of pride, it's never been cleaned.
0: Oh, no, that tracks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he probably means it's never been washed with soap and water, which is true if it's cast iron because you never want to use soap right, or cast so like iron. Right, it's just
1: been carefully cared for. Not yeah. it's crusty and you are probably I don't get think it's... poisoning when you eat
0: these. No, 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 no. I think he just means that like it's never had to be re-seasoned. So it has all of like 70 years of flavor baked into it.
1: Well, that sounds pretty good then. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So let's hope that she never made she never used it to like cook bacon during the depression. <laughs> Well, bacon flavored bazzel sound pretty good to me, actually. If I'm
0: rather concerned. than licorice, <laughs> yeah, make a breakfast sandwich between two of those bad boys.
1: I'm totally down.
0: This is just our food podcast now, and I'm not upset about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: this is we've just created the new cronut, the bazzaken uh, the <laughs> or the bazzel or something. Yeah, I don't know, we'll have to figure out what it's going to be called. Oh, I didn't really intend to start talking about food again, but you pointed out last week or the week before that we tend to record this right after we've eaten like that's the only time we have together
0: or directly before yeah yeah
1: exactly we are we see relatively little of each other actually during the week so it's generally after dinner at night when we have a chance to record
0: yeah yeah that's the most you know i think the most interaction we have all day is that and then waking up and then going to bed (laughs)
1: Yeah, which is yeah, really
0: sure. I don't I don't I don't like that.
1: No, our, our current life schedule is not great. And, and definitely I'm hoping that that's going to get better pretty soon. Yeah. Our move is going very slowly. Just want to make a note of that. Um, yeah. Just keep kind of keeping people abreast of where we're at. We uh, neither of us has landed a job of sufficient money to allow us to move yet we have the money for the move but we just don't have enough to
0: we need s- the job bit so right. that we can live once we, when we get the house. there
1: yeah so we're, we're still working on that it's going slowly we have both of our sons in the house tonight which is a very rare occurrence
0: it is it's really nice
1: and we had all four of us for dinner and in fact we took a lovely family photo that i'll put on the uh, a brief chat instagram which is just at a brief chat uh, because we took a nice little photo of the four of us uh, in front of our Christmas tree. And it was just really cool to have everybody around the table.
0: Did you notice um, John in that picture in particular?
1: God, I I hope whatever you're about to tell me is not terrifying.
0: Did you notice what he did with the ornaments? No. Well, you should you should definitely look.
1: Okay, so let's all go look at the a uh, brief chat Instagram and we'll see what John did with the ornaments there in that go. photo. Okay.
0: It was just very quietly as the timer was counting down. <laughs> he just went ahead and did that thing. Okay. So.
1: Well, we'll all find out what it is together because I, did, I posted the photos and I did not notice what he did with the ornaments. So look, I think that might be as much time as we have because the interview is a little bit longer with and Mia. and it's, I, amazing. It's, it's, really, it's really worth it. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is amazing. So we will get right to that interview after one of us recommends a podcast to you. Hey everybody it's jason here with this week's podcast recommendation last week i recommended to you one of i think three podcasts from which i have never unsubscribed and this week i'm going to recommend to you another one of them it is just one of my absolute favorites it is a highlight of every week it's a joy to listen to and it's called the bugle I started listening to The Bugle many moons ago, not too long after it came into existence, when it was hosted by Andy Zaltzman and John Oliver. And of course, many of you will know that John Oliver has since gone on to host a show on HBO called Last Week Tonight. But Andy is still hosting The Bugle with a rotating cast of guest hosts who now, although there are sometimes brand, brand new ones, there is a little core of people who are always delightful and i'm thinking uh, primarily of alice fraser who is just a a global probably galactic treasure uh anuva paul nish kumar we hear regularly from folks like uh, Hari kondabolu it's really a great show and its essential premise is a humorous take on the news right which has been done a billion times you know it's it's from england it's a time-honored tradition in England to make fun of the news. But I think what sets the Bugle apart is both the heart at the center of it, which I think is very real, even though the show is incredibly satirical and very, very funny. I think it comes from a real place of concern for the way the world is, and a real desire for it to be better than it is. And the show is never preachy or anything like that. It's... Uh, it's just really centered in like kind of being good people and being super super funny about it so anyway i don't even know if i'm making it sound all that attractive but it's wonderful and you should listen you can find them at the buglepodcast.com, i believe on uh, the interwebs you can also find them on twitter at hello buglers it's it's really really wonderful and you know, if you go there, tell them you were sent by a brief chat. But whether or not you do that, just go listen to The Bugle. It'll brighten your week and you'll be happy that you subscribed. Alright, back to the show. I'm really excited to welcome Mia Matsui to the show. Mia, welcome to A Brief Chat.
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to be here with you.
1: The, the kind of overarching theme of this show is how we figure out ways of living the lives that we want to live and i've known you Mm -hmm. uh, for several years since we worked together in state college and uh, over that time i have really watched you you know kind of from afar via social media so i don't know what's actually happening in your Mm -hmm. life but the the picture that (laughs) i have seen of it the one that is on social media seems to be a picture of someone who has evolved from one dream to another And because I know when I when I first met you, and for a significant portion of the time that I knew you, you were dealing with uh, dance-related injuries that kind of stemmed from your what, as far as I know, was your first career choice. And Mm -hmm. now I see you, and you're a tattoo artist out on the West Coast, and obviously in between Mm -hmm. there is a story. So maybe we can start just by talking a little bit about what you thought you were going to be doing for a significant portion of your life and then you know how that has changed
2: mm-hmm. i did grow up wanting to dance uh, professionally in ballet that was my first career dream you know i grew up in a pretty artistic family there's a lot of female artists in my family and uh, my dad's a sushi chef which is a really creative job too so i think i grew up already kind of having uh the privilege of of thinking oh I can I can have a job that I love I can love what I do when i get when I get older you know and I started dancing when I was three, the classic story, and I I really didn't love it for a long time. And then eventually I just put in a lot of effort and, you know, always pushed forward with it. And eventually, um, once I was 12, I decided I wanted to do that professionally. So I tried training pre-professionally up until I was 18. And then I just got to a pretty unhealthy place with it. I think sometimes when you are wanting to make what you love be what you do. It's just a fine balance of of trying to find balance in your life with it. And I didn't do a very good job of that. Um, And I was young and, you know, trying my best to do so. But I used it to escape a lot of things that were going on in my life. And eventually, it just came to a head where I couldn't ignore those things anymore. And I realized that I just needed to live my life more fully. And by potentially moving forward with dance, I wouldn't be able to do that. So I stopped for a bit. I just focused on teaching for a little, and then I tried going back to dance in a little bit less pressure of a way. I um, tried going back for contemporary as opposed to classical ballet, and that's when I ended up getting injured. And we ended up working together for a while while I was in PT and just trying to come back from that injury. And you know, as soon as I was back from that injury, I ended up getting injured again. First rehearsal I was back in, so it just kind of felt like, okay, this isn't for the card in the cards for me anymore, and I need to move forward and. And find, not necessarily find something else, but just move forward with my life um, and see where that takes me. So it was definitely hard. It was a few years of letting myself be in a space of, I don't know what I want to do. And that's, I think, a really challenging place to be in. And I would imagine that it happens multiple times for people over the course of their lives. Um, Maybe not everyone, but I would imagine for a lot of people. And I've been in a conversation with a lot of friends who are my age who are kind of entering into that space for the first time or feeling like they're in that space and maybe not wanting to accept it either because I definitely felt that feeling of loss of identity, you know, not knowing what you want to do and trying to move forward without, you know, I think there's a pressure to to feel like you have it all together by the time you're like mid-20s or something like that, which is, it's pretty ridiculous pressure, but we definitely put it on ourselves and it was hard trying to let that go and let myself just have the freedom to be open, try things, learn what I don't like, and find something that really fits me. And I think without that acceptance of okay, I'm in this place, I don't know what I want to do, and it's okay. It's hard to let yourself do that. So I spent a few years of just kind of being in that space, and I started painting more intensely. And I was always drawing growing up. You know, once I got injured, I just felt like I needed I needed something. I was grateful to have dance for so long in my life in the way that I did, and I used it as a means of expression for a long time and and as a way to relieve stress and kind of just get into a flow state with with something. And so losing that was definitely challenging, but I found painting through that. And so I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity to find it. And so I got my first tattoo. And while I think it was maybe right before I'd gotten injured, and I had had a, a close friend who was had seen some of my drawings, and dance for me was very much already external. Obviously, whenever you're taking class and things, people are always around you. When you're performing, there's a bunch of people in front of you. So art and drawing for me was very much kind of my, my thing that I didn't share too much with people. And when I started kind of opening up more about it with people showing my work, I had a friend who was getting a tattoo, I think, soon after I had shown her my art, and she was like, you know, you should really think about tattooing I think you'd be really great at it and of course wanting to do ballet I had never thought about (laughs) that as being anything that would come into my life but I got my first tattoo it was a memory tattoo for a loved one that passed away and it was super meaningful for me and it just made me feel so light after after receiving it and kind of felt an inkling into the power of what tattooing could be so I started reading books on it I shadowed an artist for a while. came out to California and I'm really glad that I took the time to just try some different jobs and I really took the time to think, do I want to move forward with this with this new career? Because I think it gave me a lot of fire to get it going once I, I started on it. I apprenticed under a wonderful artist here in Santa Barbara um, at an all-female shop. It's, uh, it's been an amazing experience and um, I'm super grateful for how my path ended up being laid out for me and been definitely a lot of ups and downs the past few years, but I'm really, yeah, I couldn't be more grateful for all of it. And and just getting to the point where I'm at with tattooing, I'm so glad I gave myself that time and that space to just accept, I don't know what I want to do so I could find tattooing um, because it's been so fulfilling. And I'm, yeah, just really, really grateful for the opportunity to be doing it.
1: I wanted to go back to a thing you mentioned uh, the question of identity and when you have mm-hmm. so much of your identity wrapped up in a particular pursuit and then that that mm-hmm. goes away for what you know whatever reason you decide you don't want to do it anymore what mm-hmm. tools did you use or what things did you find helped in allowing you to give yourself space you, you talked about the you know the mm. real need to give yourself some time to figure out who you were but that's not an easy thing. Mm-hmm to do at any stage of life. And especially I think when you're young and there's so much pressure on you, as you said, to figure out who you are, how how did you find ways to, to build that space for yourself and to, you know, to find people who could support you in that?
2: Uh, I was really lucky to find a really wonderful yoga community in state college. And I think that was a huge part of that period of acceptance because it was that it was like accepting who you are, where you're at, no matter where you're at, you know, and, Um, learning to do that and not identifying yourself with external things so much. And so first of all, going to yoga a lot and and trying to get a solid practice for that time period was really, really helpful. And then just finding a community of people who were, I think, on a similar path of trying to just find acceptance with and for themselves. And so that that was probably one of the main things, I would say yoga and like finding that yoga community. And then I think just that mentality of accepting kind of where you're at and thinking of it not as just acceptance of not knowing what you want to do or all of that, but also just learning to have compassion, self-compassion and acceptance of who you are, focusing on, you know, I was working odd end jobs at the time. And at first it it did feel like kind of hard to only be doing those types of things and not really have anything behind me that was like, oh, well, this is what I'm working on. This is my career. And you even get asked sometimes, you know, when I was working in a cafe, I remember someone asked me who was, who was also a coworker, but They just kind of asked, oh, like, but what's your thing that you really do? You know, like outside of this. And I remember feeling so kind of angry at that comment because, you know, you there are so many ways to move through the world and to have a job in coffee is completely a a valid career choice. But, you know, there was that, that feeling like, oh, there's something else I should be doing. There was that pressure there. But letting myself try to just be where I was, in the jobs that I was and recognize, okay, well in this job, what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses? And in each of those odd end jobs doing that for myself, I think it really helped me to appreciate where I was at and then also help me move forward in trying to determine, okay, if I was, if I felt like this was a strength or this is what I liked from this job, this is what I didn't like, this is what I wasn't good at in this job, excuse me, um, It helped me kind of narrow down, okay, well, this job has these things, this job has these things, and maybe, you know, kind of helping me narrow down my path as I move through those things. I think that was really helpful, too, instead of just letting myself mentally sit in this place of not even accepting the jobs I was doing, you know, because I think that can happen, too.
1: We talk a lot on this show about geography and the role that changing geography plays in our lives. Mm -hmm. And... Mm-hmm. While geographic therapy has its own pitfalls, uh, I do think it is useful mm-hmm. sometimes. And I'm curious about how the the switch to the other side of the country and just a new landscape affected your ability to find a new life for yourself.
2: Mm. You know, for obvious reasons, opportunities are different in a different area. For me, that meant I was pretty sure that I wanted to be in a mostly female environment for learning and starting and tattooing. So that was something that just wasn't an, an option back back home. And here, I found that option pretty quickly. But I think too, you know, it's interesting to talk about that, because moving out here, I felt pretty convinced that like, okay, you know, of course, things are going to change. But like moving not going to affect me that much. Like it's such an external thing. Like it will affect me, but I don't want to put any hopes into saying like, oh, it's going to change my life, you know, because I don't think that's always what happens. But coming out here, I think having the big change in environment, and kind of just having new people around me, and having space from old situations, older relationships, you know, everything like that, that has been in my life for so long, having such a big change, put me out of my comfort zone. And I think that really pushed me to stay and like keep with that momentum and stay in that space um, of being out of my comfort zone. And Starting this career in tattooing was definitely scary putting myself out there and choosing new mindsets that like if I if I had taken old mindsets that I had back home and tried to move forward with them and hold on to those I don't think I'd be where I was at right now so being able to come here it helped me shift my perspective most definitely and have you know new mindsets that helped me make it happen out here and so I think definitely just like the shift in perspective and the being out of your comfort zone and using that momentum to move forward with was definitely a big change for me that that happened because of the move.
1: Tattooing for me seems like one of the most nerve wracking arts to be involved with, because I have a bunch of tattoos also. <laughs> yeah. And I always think like, yeah, boy, what if so-and-so sneezed right now, or what, you know, I mean, like, what? What? <laughs> this is out of my body for the rest of my life, and so I, I just wanted yeah. to ask you to reflect a little bit on the first time you tattooed another human being, and put a permanent piece of art oh, on man. someone's body, What, what was that experience like?
2: I was terrified, so terrified, I mean, I was terrified the first time I held a machine in my hand, and I started by just practicing tattooing on fruit, and I was terrified the first time for that, and then the first time... I, I tattooed a human, was it was terrifying. It was a coworker of mine. You know, it was someone I was around every day, so that made it a lot better. And they had seen me practicing, and I knew that they, they were okay with whatever happened. But <laughs> it was terrifying. I was so, 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 so nervous. It's, it's still nerve-wracking to this day. I think every day I still feel at least a little nervous, sometimes more than most. But I hope that never goes away. You know, I think it has like a beauty to that that I really enjoy and that pressure is something that I think helps me to do my best. And sometimes it's a little stressful, but I think it is—it's something that I value in 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 tattooing.
1: <laughs> the work of yours that I've seen, which is exclusively, you know, what you've posted on Instagram, mm-hmm. seems to draw a lot from yeah. the natural world. Is that a fair mm-hmm. thing to say?
2: Yeah, I definitely love doing a lot of um, botanical work, um, especially. Uh, I just think you can get so much really so much beautiful movement from it and there's so much freedom in, in working with that subject matter because you know you can kind of make it your own thing and also something that's very unique to the client even sometimes making flowers that don't exist but are you know designed just for them like I just think that's really fun and um, and it's it's timeless I think too and, and seeing one of the most exciting things about tattooing and how it's so unique for me is the fact that it ties in movement with the human form and art. So I love being able to put a tattoo on someone and then seeing them move around with it is just, it's so exciting for me. So, you know, if you're putting on um, plant life and botanical elements on someone, I think it, it just looks really, it looks like it's moving in the wind or, you know, something like that. I just love the way that looks.
1: Will you talk about what the energy of a tattoo shop run by women is like. I have not never had that experience. And there is a certain mm-hmm. I feel like there's a certain bar to entry sometimes in tattoo shops. I feel that mm-hmm. they're not dissimilar yeah. from bike shops and garages where there's mm-hmm. a certain like either you're in the know or you're not. And sometimes I find that right. a little off putting and there's I don't always feel like there's a right. particularly welcoming energy. And it sounds like what you're describing is very mm-hmm. different from that. So I'm curious about that.
2: You know, every shop is different and certainly um, every female owned shop and mostly female shop would be different. Um, so I can't speak to, you know, what it always is like. But just from my shop experience being here at um, Energy Tattoo, the priority has always been to try to create a welcoming environment for everybody. So, you know, that is a little bit different from some other tattoo shops and, and to each their own. I think a lot of people genuinely like going into an environment where it feels a little bit more intimidating when they're getting a tattoo and then a lot of people really appreciate um, us creating a very, very welcoming environment so that's always been a priority and I and I wonder if you know having all females there makes a big difference in creating that welcoming environment I know for a lot of women coming in like we do get requests before people realize that we are all female like I would prefer to have a female artist I just feel more comfortable so I'm happy to be able to provide that for people and you know, I think one of the most fun things about being an all-female shop is when people come in and then they pause for a second. And it hasn't always been all-female. We're not strict on it. It's just it often ends up being that it's all-female there um, most of the time. <laughs> it's great to see people come in, they pause, they look around, and then they go, wait a minute, is it only women here? And we're like, yeah, it's just women here. And, and they're always so surprised. And luckily, it's always positive. They're always really excited about it <laughs> and think it's really cool but it is a more unique environment and we've had different artists filtering through. So that always changes the dynamic because it's such a small crew that we have, but I think it's been amazing. And it's been amazing to feel with certain groups that we've had in there of all females, a lot of support from each other, because I think that's something that, you know, there's a stereotype like, Oh, with all female crew, it would be high drama and it would be like super shallow competitiveness and things like that. And sure that has been felt sometimes, but for the most part, with our solid crew that we have there, it's been 100% supportive of each other and encouragement and wanting each other to be doing the best and lifting each other up and doing so by also working and doing our best. And I think that's been really beautiful to experience. And so, yeah, I'm really lucky for, to have found the, the work environment I'm in. And I'm really grateful to be working with all women right now because I think it's been, it's been really empowering and empowering for people to come in and see that environment, too, and feel that energy.
1: Finally, Mia, as we uh, draw toward the close, you've already had the experience of shedding one identity for another, and I wonder mm-hmm. if that experience has made you any less attached or bound to the identity you currently have, if you if you feel like mm-hmm. less obligated to have to keep up some kind of appearance or to maintain some kind of path, given what you've already experienced.
2: Yeah, I would say it definitely has, and I'm really glad to have had that experience because you know, I think burnout is really easy. And I think identifying with your job is really, really easy to do, um, especially in a creative field. So I would say that I don't feel as attached as before. I'm, I'm so in love with what I'm doing. And I, again, I feel so fulfilled. And like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else in terms of a job right now. But I also feel okay saying, well, you know, maybe however long from now, things may change for me. And that's okay. And who knows what's going to happen. You know, it is still a physical job, so it may be one day in the future, hopefully much later, that my body just won't be able to sit in these positions for very long anymore or my hand, you know, won't be able to sustain longer sessions. And I hope that's not going to happen, but there's always a the possibility of things changing in your life or just your needs changing for you as a human and what fulfills you. And so I do feel less strict on the path that I'm moving forward on and, and open to kind of what's going to come. And I feel like now the priority is to just be authentic with myself and in my environment, in my work, and be doing that as a priority as opposed to making it work and following on one path. So I do think it has changed for me in that regard. and and yeah, I think it's easy to just identify with your work, but I'm glad that I kind of don't feel like that's so much a thing for me anymore. Um, and I'm sure I'll have to keep looking at that because I'm sure it will be hard not to let that happen. But there is much less attachment to one strict path than before.
1: Mia, if people want to find out more about you and your work, is there a way for them to do that online?
2: Yeah, the best way would just be to um, check out my Instagram. So that is just my name, M-I-Y-A underscore Matsui, M-A-T-S-U-I. That's the best way for right now. I am not the greatest at posting (laughs) on social media yet, but slowly working on that.
1: It's been such a pleasure uh, to speak to you. And it's it's so great for me. You know, we didn't certainly didn't know each other well when we lived in the same town. Yeah. But I we knew each other some and it's wonderful for me to see you, you know, on this exciting new path and to and to hear how fulfilled and happy you sound. So uh, I wish you all yeah, the best. And I thank you. you for taking the time to do this.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on this podcast and, and, uh, and just share my story. So thank you.
0: Thanks to Mia Matsui for being this week's
1: guest. Don't forget, you can follow her on Instagram at Mia underscore Matsui, and that is linked in the show notes, so you don't even have to remember how to spell it. But if you want to be conscientious and know how to spell it, it's M-I-Y-A underscore M-A-T-S-U-I. If you want to follow us, I'm on Twitter at Jason D. Crane.
0: I'm at Shimmy Lizard.
1: We also have the A brief chat Instagram, which is specifically for things about this show, Now, I'm trying to figure out exactly like what kind of good content we should have for that Instagram. If you have any ideas, please feel free to send it in because so far it's mostly been mirroring what we're posting uh, on our private Twitters and Instagrams. But in any case, feel free if you have some ideas and and the photo of our family will be there so you can go check that out because I am quite curious to see what John did with the ornaments. The fact that we can see them makes me feel a lot better because I know that whatever he did with them, they were still visible afterward.
0: They're not on fire or anything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, or inserted anywhere that would be
0: offensive offensive right yeah or you know cause bodily harm to a 13 year old yeah not,
1: we're not on our way to the er immediately after wrapping this podcast episode uh next week we'll be back with some more conversation and another guest i i think it's safe to say as yet to be determined
0: <laughs> that's a you job not a me job <laughs>
1: Uh, also, I'm super excited. We've got some really cool poets coming up. Uh, at least three that I know of, three fabulous poets coming up for the next three First Fridays. So, I'm really psyched about that. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to become a member of this show, which would be a great help to us as we move forward with our lives, you can go to a briefchat.com and click on support the show. I love you. I love you. We love you. A, a better, better world, world is
0: possible. Is possible.